Welcome to It's No Secret, a podcast for Kiwis who want their money questions answered. Ready, steady, go. This podcast will answer the money questions you may or may not have on your mind. We'll talk to real Kiwis and share truths about our own financial lives, both the successes and the failures. Because the truth is, there is no secret to achieving financial freedom. Hi everyone, welcome back to another summer series episode of It's No Secret. Today we're chatting about the 101 of investing in the share markets. We dive into what the share markets are and how they work, plus how investing in the share markets compares to investing in property. Specifically, we cover how both asset classes have performed over time and the pros and cons of investing in each. Now, if you've been listening along to our summer series this far, you'll know that we've been running a few giveaways alongside the episodes. And to support today's episode, Colonel has been kind enough to offer you, our lovely listeners, the chance to win a $150 Colonel account top-up. So if you're looking to start investing or have started and are wanting to start regularly investing, this could be just the giveaway for you. To win, simply jump over to our Instagram at it's no secret NZ and check out our latest posts where we'll have all the entry details. The competition runs from Wednesday the 9th of February 2022 to Tuesday the 15th of February 2022, so be sure to get your entry in ASAP. Again, head over to our Instagram for the T's and C's and to find out more. Right, back to the episode. We hope you enjoy our chat about investing in the share markets. Let's kick off by explaining what the share, share markets are and how they work. Do you want to? Yes, like you're I can tackle this. this. <laughs> I can tackle this. So I guess um, just for everyone listening, whenever we talk about some jargon, we will try and debunk it today or talk about it in as normal terms as possible. But the share market and the stock exchange are interchangeable words. So they're often referred to as either or, but we're going to talk about it as the share market today. Um, basically, it's a really transparent and re- regulated marketplace in which shares in public companies are bought and sold. So you could think of the share market as like a department store for shares or a one-stop shop for anyone who wants to buy or sell shares in a public company trading in that market. Now, there are lots of different share markets all over the world. Some of the most well-known ones include the New York Stock Exchange or within New Zealand, the New Zealand Stock Exchange, most commonly referred to as the NZX, or in Australia, the Australian Stock Exchange, commonly known as the ASX. People in finance love shortening words, guys, so you're <laughs> going to have to get get used to this. Um but yeah, it's, it is basically, I guess, that one-stop shop and a place to buy and sell. And I know, Christine, uh, we'd recently written a blog on this at work because often there's a bit of confusion around like, who are you buying and selling from? Um, and I know you own shares in Lululemon, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do you <laughs> know who you would have bought them from? <laughs> I mean, initially I didn't, but I could probably tell you now. Yeah. Have a crack and we'll see. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just throwing you under the bus here. I was like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. So as far as I understand it, I am buying shares from, like, someone who is willing to – oh, sorry. Yeah. No, okay. That's what, that was kind of right. Yeah. yeah. I'm going, I am buying shares from someone who is willing to sell those shares in the share market. So yeah. I am not buying those shares directly from a company. Mm-hmm. Um it's from someone else on the other side of my transaction. So it's basically another shareholder. Yeah. And they're another shareholder. So I could be buying those shares from you, but not know at all. Yes. Or I could be buying from a larger institution yep. or a fund manager or someone that is in a larger company, i.e. Colonel. Um, I could be competing with them on 
like buying those shares. Those shares. Yeah, exactly. And I guess then to conceptualize how that works in the share market is it is a market in the sense that there are people like Christine who wants to come and buy those shares. And then there are people that already own those shares and they're called the shareholder. And the point of the stock market or the share market is that it's a marketplace to decide on what price on that day and time they are bought and sold for. So, you know, me say wanting to sell you my Lululemon shares, I have a price in mind. You probably have a price in mind at which you want to buy them, but it's a marketplace. And of course you reach the market price. Yeah, exactly. And it works and like traditional economics, demand and supply, right? So the more demand there is, the higher the the cost, um, the more supply there is, the lower the cost, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Perfect. I know. I was like, oh, well done you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So why would someone invest in the share markets? Um, Let's kick off, I think, with setting the foundation of a few statistics because this will influence the whole argument as to why. So in our research, we found that um, we compared the historical um, return, average return um, annually over the last 10 years for house prices in New Zealand and then in comparison to the S&P NZ20 index. So that is... I'm just going to... Oh, yeah. are we going to explain no, no, what that you is? Go, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I guess um, the S&P NZX20 is the index that tracks the collective movement of 20 of the largest companies within New Zealand. So also when you're talking about the share market, there are indices run around the world by various provided S&P Dow Jones being one of them that give you a number of, well, they give you an idea of the collective performance across all of the companies on that stock market or on in that index over that day. And the reason that um, they report on this is actually because I think it was Dean's going to correct me on this one, but uh, (laughs) back in the early 1900s, um, there were two financial reporters in the US that used to report on the individual movements of companies every single day. Now, that was fine when there was not that many companies, but now in the US, (laughs) you know, there's obviously the S&P 500, which is probably the one of the most well-known indices, but then there are heaps, like thousands of other companies listed on stock exchanges. Um, and so they obviously couldn't report on every single company every single day. So they created the first index so that they could report on the collective performance of say all of those 500 companies within the S&P 500. And therefore, it was an easier measure for us as just an average punter going about our day thinking about whether or not we're going to invest. It gives us an easier sense of knowing, okay, are the markets up or are the markets down? And when you hear those terms, that's what people are referring to. Has the collective movement gone up in value or has the collective movement gone down? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot from that. (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't know that that's how they came about. Do you know also, actually, I just just some more fun facts. (laughs) Is is the first index was created by like Dow and Jones. Oh. They were the two individual reporters. Oh, that's cool. So that's how you got the first, yeah, Dow Jones indices. And that's why, yeah, they just didn't want to have to do all the legwork, understandably, to report on all the companies. It was much easier to report on the collective group. And efficiency, right? Really speaks to the value. (laughs) Exactly. So, So, yes, okay, back back to house prices, though, versus the S&P NZX20 index, which we're just using as, I guess, a collective representation of the New Zealand market performance. Yes, yep. Yeah, so... Um, according to the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand's monthly publica- pu- publications, house prices in New Zealand increased by 7.63% in 
annually over the last 10 years, and that was um, up until December 2020, versus the S&P NZX 20 index increased by 16.32 annually in the last 10 years. So that is house prices, 7.63 annually, the index, um, 16.32. So huge difference. Yeah, there's a big difference there. (laughs) And I feel like the the kind of figures speak for itself and that that is why you would invest in the share markets because ultimately with any investment at the end of the day, the reason that you're doing it is to grow your money, right? And to get a return, get a higher return. Yeah, exactly. So that's, one part um and i think on that it's important to note that there is heaps of debate if you google anything around like the long-term historical averages between property versus shares as different asset classes you are of course going to get different figures over different time periods but from my you know background research and the work that i've done it's always been that shares have outperformed property for the most part um and i guess that is a very compelling reason, as you say, as to why you should even consider it. It should be on your radar. Yeah, exactly. And so we we also dug a little bit deeper and for all the Aussies out there. Shout out. <laughs> we looked at um, some Australian data. So, well, actually kind of. Um, t- the We found a 2018 study by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Um, so these economists um, compiled a paper titled The Rate of Return of Everything, which was aimed at challenging the traditional assumptions around long-term total return on housing. So one of the biggest problems with this property versus share debate is that there hasn't really been a lot of long-term data recorded um, for housing or investment on property like there has for the share market. So yep. while, of course, we are saying you know, the facts that we just um, gave you, there isn't, it's, it's harder a to actually period compare. of time, right? So it's like, yeah, it's been harder to compare a 50-year exactly. period of time or a 75-year period of time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and so for context, for how Australian housing returns, they managed to go back um, to 1901 and in the US they managed to go back to 1891, but the figures that we've given you are 20 years or like from 2000 to 2020. So yep. it's a bit different. But that said, from 1980 to 2015, which is a period of 35 years, investing in the Australian share markets returned 8.7% versus 7% for investing in property. So 1.7% might not... Difference. Yeah, yeah. that's a difference of 1.7%, but it also might not sound like a lot. But, but over, over 35, 35 years... years yeah, and I guess this it's a is lot. one of I, well, if we're talking about investing in general, one of the number one concepts to know about is comp, like how compounding works. But the power of compounding of one point seven five percent every single year over thirty five years adds up to be a very very big number, especially if you're starting with a decent sum as well. Yeah, right. And as you build, it just yeah gets more and more. Yeah. So, what are some pros? Would you say? on the back of that, um, outside of just figures, to investing in the share markets, Kat? Love this for me. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll take the cons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so about the pros. Okay, so let's start with some of the easiest ones. There's a much lower barrier to entry. So like you said at the start, there's heaps of different platforms out there now that have done amazing work at lowering the barriers to entry 
as just, you know, a regular investor. So one other piece of jargon that you guys might hear us talk about is what's called a retail investor. A retail investor is essentially just, it's Christine and I, it's you guys, it's your standard mum and dad investors, as opposed to an institutional investor, which are typically uh, financial institutions like a fund manager or the NZ super fund, they would be classified as an institutional investor or, you know, a share broking firm like JB Weir difference. So there's a really low barrier to entry now for the retail investor and you can pretty much get started with a dollar, which is awesome. You can't get started with a dollar in property. Um, the yeah, other- what could you buy for that and with property? <laughs> or like a door handle, not yeah. even. <laughs> not even. <laughs> uh, exactly. So the other big one for me is that it's much easier to spread your risk or reduce your risk because you have the ability to buy, I guess, or invest in a whole range of different companies listed on the share market, as opposed to if you say, take a property as an example, or a business, um, for most of us, it's somewhat unachievable to buy more than one house. It's a lot harder to go and do that. So your ability to spread your risk, particularly if you're using say an index fund, which we'll get into later, um, it's just a really good way to start and lower your risk, which is helpful for people. Um, other big pro it's it's liquid. So most people, when they think of a liquid asset, you'd think of cash in your bank account. Uh, and that's certainly, I guess the most liquid cause you can go and withdraw it on your phone in like two minutes. Um, <laughs> You can't do that with your house. There's a whole process to go through, right? Like probably for most people months by the time that you go through preparing it for sale, like sales and then settlement before you actually get the money. Where your share market investments sit is somewhere in the middle. So for the most part, um, you can trade shares into individual companies every day and there'll be what is called settlement time. And that's the period of time at which the cash transfers and asset exchange can actually settle. And typically that's two days. So, you know, if you decided to sell me your Lululemon shares, you'd have that money in your bank account pretty much in two days time. Great result. So you can't have them. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. (laughs) So definitely more liquid um, and flexible. It's also arguably, and I'd say this very strongly, a much better way to grow your money long-term. So if we think about what you're currently getting paid on any term deposits or savings accounts in the current environment, it's really just not cutting the mustard for a lot of people. So if you're looking at wanting to grow your money over the long term, which I know you and I are because we're in our 20s and 30s, we're looking at a time horizon of, you know, not wanting that money until we're at least in our 50s. We've got a really long term time horizon and the share markets are a really great way to put that money to work better and work it harder than, say, in a bank account. Um, And then the last one, which I personally love the most, is like there's no admin involved. You know, you buy a house or you invest in a business or I don't know, even if you invest in a term deposit, I feel like there's a lot of admin because you've got to talk to the bank about like, what's my rate and my term and then try and negotiate and it's just (laughs) painful. So there's none of that, you know, other than when you set up whichever platform or trading account you decide to use. Once that's set up, you can just start investing and it's pretty easy. You don't have to worry about tenants. You don't have to worry about maintenance or changes to the property law, which is obviously affecting a lot of Kiwis at the moment. All that kind of stuff is just taken away um, and it's a lot easier, essentially, from an admin burden, which for me, I'm all about, like, let's reduce my financial admin uh, all times. <laughs> I'm so here for it. I think that's probably the biggest selling point for me is that I don't have to deal with tenants. I don't have to yep. be, a land- <laughs> well, be a landlord, same thing, oh. but- 
or even um, the upkeep and figuring yeah. out what your rates are. All and worry about like, you know, is the hot water cylinder going to need replacing yeah. in three years' time? Like, oh. How much do I like these tenants to actually want to replace it? Exactly. <laughs> like zero time for that. I guess this is like your shares expect nothing from you. Like there's yeah, they no love demand. Regardless. <laughs> exactly. So very, very low key, guys. Very low maintenance. Exactly. So. But what about the cons? Because I guess, you know, we've got to be two-sided here. There is definitely some cons. So yeah. what would you say they are? Yeah. So first up, I mean, certain, to a certain degree, like any marketplace, um, there is volatil- volatility. So mm-hmm. with the share market markets in particular, because we have such visibility over, you know, the day to day movements of the market, it can be like a mo- an emotional roller coaster. So yep. and our decision making can be affected very easily, especially if we are checking frequently, which I mean, to be completely honest, we would not advise. Um, yeah. Although we can't give advice, so that's not advice. But, <laughs> but just for your own sanity, yeah, yeah. for your own sanity, it's to sometimes like, take a step anything. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Can um, I just ask on that, like, how would you kind of define or explain volatility to someone that's not really sure what that means? Yeah. So how often the markets move up and down? Yeah. In a very simple term, would you elaborate on yep. that? Or? Yep. No, I'd say that's hundred percent correct. And then just that. I guess it's the degree of movement in addition to that. So not only are they moving up and down, but how big are the swings between that up point and that down point? Yeah. Yeah. That's what can also vary. Yeah. Yeah. And so like comparatively, if you have your property, you can't check that value every day. I think you mentioned this before. And that is, I guess, a pro to property is that it's a physical asset and and that you're in it every day. You see it and you can also kind of feel like you're adding value Yep. To, you can to prove the property. it. Yeah, yep. exactly. So if you want to renovate it, you can't with shares to a certain degree. I mean, you can readjust your portfolio, but you can't renovate your shares. You can't rock up to Lululemon HQ and be like, guys, I've got some ideas for how you can make this business more valuable. <laughs> can you innovate my product, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, second con I would say is that, as we mentioned before, as retail investors, we are always competing against institutional investors. So the likes of um, fund managers and whatnot. Yep. And so um, they could be buying shares in the market at a much lower price than you and you would have no idea. Um, yeah, and- Or they could be, I guess, you're the party that you're buying off and arguably, and we can get into this later as well, have potentially more information or access to information about that company than you would. And so it's like at how much of a, I guess, a professional level disadvantage are you as a retail investor to your standard institutional investor? Thanks for tuning into the summer series episode. For your chance to win the $150 kernel account top up, head over to our Instagram at it's no secret NZ. Catch you next week for a new episode.